Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Hapasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Today I'm really excited about the message I will preach. And I want to talk about the curse, closing the door on the curse. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We know, Father, your people are destroyed because of the lack of knowledge. Therefore, our church, your church, is really hungry for the word of God. We need the revelation of the spirit of the living God to understand, to have faith, to know and practice the word of God. Father, may the word that come out from my mouth comes directly from the voice of the Holy Spirit, that your people will not listen to only head knowledge information, but it will penetrate into their heart and it will change their thinking, their mind, renew their mind and help them to have more faith, Lord. And they can walk in victory all the days of their life, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. After being a pastor for many years, I have been more convinced and convinced that God's people need to know the Word of God. And if we don't know the Word, we will not live a victorious life. We need to know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. So every time I want to preach the Word, I'm so excited. And I really take this seriously because I want you to really know the truth and put the truth into practice. We will learn how not to only break the curse. But we will also learn how to reverse the curse to come out from the war zone. You know, the Christian life is a life of battle, spiritual battle. If you think that being a Christian, everything just rosy, it's easy, everything going to go well, it's not true. We are in the spiritual warfare. But if we know how to fight the warfare, we can win the victory and come into the promised land and live in the zone of blessing. So as a church, we need to learn how to reverse the curse. The curse is real. Even the doctors know that the curse is real. And even the insurance company knows that the curse is real. When you go to see doctors in the medical office, they would give you the paper and ask you to check. Do you have diabetes in your family? Do you have back problem in your family? Do you have depression? List is long. Many, many diseases, many problems. Because they know that the problems in the family can pass on to the next generation. And when you apply for the life insurance, they have the form to fill up as well, whether your mom and your dad die of cancer or not, because they know that if they have cancer, you have a tendency to have cancer. That is just on the sickness side, but there are other curses that flow around the whole world right now. If the dad is a child abuser, then the son has a tendency to be a child abuser as well. If the dad is the alcoholic, the children will be alcoholic as well. The curses will pass on to the next generation. But as Christians, we can stop the curse. And we not only stop the curse in our own life, we can stop the curse to the next generation so that the blessing will go to the thousand generations after us. And is that our goal, that we want to see the blessing and we want to see that blessing flow into the thousand generation. So we don't only stop the curse, but we want to reverse and get into the blessing territory of God that God has prepared for us. Amen. 
In order to do that, we need to understand the word of God, and we need to understand who we are in Christ and the right we have in the name of Jesus. And the Bible says we are sons and also daughters of God. Look at Galatians chapter four, verse seven. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. Through Christ, we we should know who we are, and if you are a born again Christian, you are a son and a daughter of God. You may call yourself, "I am a child of God." The word "the child" and "the son" seem similar, but actually it's different. When you talk about a child, you talk about immaturity, about youth, about being young. But when you talk about a son, you talk about person who grow up. But still, being an heir or a grown-up man who is still the son of the father, so God wants you to be a grown-up son of God, become mature, and as we know that we are a son of God, then we can stand on our ground, the right of being an heir of a son of God, so that we can overcome the curses in our family that follow along from our parents or great-grandparents. Amen. Many times I notice a Christian come to Jesus and say, "Jesus, could you please help me? Jesus, could you please help me?" Look at what Jesus say in the book of John, chapter 16, verse 23. He said that, "And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most actually, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you." When Jesus was on earth, the disciple came directly to Jesus and asked Jesus to pray for them. But now Jesus is in heaven, and we are a son and a daughter of God. Therefore, we can go directly to the Father in the name of Jesus, and we can command, we can exercise our authority as a son and a daughter of God to fight against the devil and demonic power who put us in the curses of the family or the generational curse. We have the right to come to God directly. And we can lose on earth, and it will be loose in heaven. Whatever we bind on earth, it will be bound in heaven, because we have the right of a son and a daughter of God. I thank God that the Bible says that when Jesus shed His blood and He died on the cross, that day, the big veil between the holy of holies and the holy place in the temple in the Old Testament. There were two rooms. The room outside we call the holy place, and the inside room we call the holy of holies or the most holy place. The presence of God, the tangible presence of God or the kabod, the glory of the Lord, was on the inside in the inner room with the ark of the covenant. At that time, not everybody has the Holy Spirit. Only the king, the priest, and the prophet. But the Holy Spirit was dwelling in the tabernacle or in the building that made by man. But by the time that Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn supernaturally into two, from the top to the bottom, and the Holy Spirit came out from the inner room or the holy of holies. And now, in the New Testament time, we are in the New Testament time. We have the right to be the temple of God. And we can enter into the presence of God ourselves 
through the blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus shed His blood, then we have the right to enter the presence of God, and we can have the Holy Spirit dwell in us and all over us. He dwell in us and over us. Do you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit as a believer? And everywhere you go, you carry the presence of God with you. When you step into your home, you carry the presence of God with you into your home. When we went to Germany, I and Pastor Da, Pastor PJ went to Germany. We went there with the presence of God, and wherever the presence of God is, there will be a big difference because the King show up. I'm not the King, but the King in me show up, and He came with the authority as well. He came with the power. So, as the Son of God, who has the right to have the Holy Spirit and and dwell in the presence of God and carry the presence of God around, we have the right. To use authority in the name of Jesus, and we can exercise that authority. We can go and command in the name of Jesus the wrong thing to go away from our life. Amen. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, it means that we all have the right to become a child of God, a son of God, and we have the right to have the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. There is no power in rituals. When I talk about all of these things. I pray that you will really begin to understand that you are a son and a daughter of God. A lot of time, people walk in and look in the church and look for rituals. I remember when I went to a church in Germany. They took out to sightseeing a little bit and have lunch. We walk into the church building, beautiful building. Oh, by the way, last weekend was a holiday we call Pentecostal holiday because that Sunday was a Pentecost holiday. So we walk into that church, and I open the door a little bit. They have a ceremony on that uh, Friday, and I saw many string on the on the middle of the room, and they put paper that they cut into the picture of the fire, and paint into red color. So they hang the red paper with the form of the fire on the string, and I open the door, and I turn to the person who invited me to Germany and say, "Oh, this is interesting. The fire on the paper." And I turn to her and say, "We can have the real fire in the camp. The Holy Spirit can show up in the camp, and it, He did. He show up in the camp. Amen. So we don't want rituals. We don't want ceremony and traditions. We want the real presence of God. Amen. And when we come with the presence of God, we're gonna see a change. We're gonna see victory over the curses in our family. And how we can get that?" How we can see the manifestation of the Spirit of the Living God? First of all, we need to have the revelation of the Word of God. That's why we are preaching on Sunday. After we receive the revelation of the Word of God, that okay, I am a son and a daughter of God. I believe it, and then we believe that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And after that, we you walk out by faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing of the Word of God. When you walk out by faith. That faith ignites the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you to perform signs and wonders and miracles and to bring you to victory. So everyone say the revelation of the Word of God, and then faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. So you know the Word, you have faith, you ignite the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. By faith, that's why you need to know who you are, and that's why you need to have faith in what God is doing in your life. Amen. So 
you can walk everywhere on earth with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you have the right as a son and a daughter of God to move in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. John chapter 15 verses 14 to 15. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. This is the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. These scriptures are very profound. And I want you to get it today, what it means. I want you to understand you are the son of God and the daughter of God. And you are his friend if you obey his command. So when you are his friend, what it means, definitely in America, when we talk about friend, we always think about somebody that we like, somebody that we hang out with. But you need to understand that Jesus did not talk about friend in the Western mentality. He was talking from the Eastern mentality. You need to understand Jesus was the king of all kings. So he was talking on the mentality or the context of I am the king and I'm going to call you a friend. This is a big deal in the Eastern mentality because in any country that has a king or in the kingdom, everyone else in the kingdom is a servant of a king. You remember the story of Esther. Esther married to a king. And Mordecai asked Esther to help the Jews, to the, the children of Israel, to be set free from the scheme of the enemy. And if you remember the story of the book of Esther very well, Esther could not even go to talk to the king unless he summoned her. So even though she was a queen, she was his wife. But in the sense, she was his servant. She has no right to just walk into his throne without his authorization or permission because she was also a servant. So you can see the Eastern mentality of being called, when you are called a friend of a king, what it means. The king has the armies. The king has authority. All the people are the servants. But one day the king say, you are my friend. What does it mean? It means that from now on, my authority is your authority. From now on, if anyone touch you, they touch me. And from now on, if you call for help, I will send the army to help you. And whatever you want to do, you can quote my name. You can come in my name because you are the friend of the king. Now you understand when Jesus say, you are my friend. It's not just somebody who hang out with, to go to watch movie with, or eat dinner with, but it means that you have authority, you have the favor from the king, you have his help, the army of the king will come and help you, and you can call on his name. You can quote his name. Therefore, as believer, we have the authority from Jesus, the king of all kings, to buy a spirit that torture our children. We have the authority to command evil spirit that try to curse our finances away. We can tell the devil, stop touching my family. We can tell the curse to go away. And when the devil say, who are you? That tell me to go away. You can say, ha 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 ha. I am a friend of the King Jesus Christ. And I have authority to tell you in his name. How many people are friends of Jesus in this room? I hope you are. We are not talking about salvation here. Let me read again John chapter 15, verses 15 to 16. No longer do I call you servants, 
For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all the things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You notice, friend know the heart and the plan of the king. Jesus would not tell everybody in the church about his plan. He would not tell everyone. It's a difference between being a born-again Christian and just miss hell to go to heaven. I pray that all the members of this church will not just be a born-again Christian or just a disciple, but you're going to be a friend of Jesus Christ that will know exactly what he thinks and what his plan is. And he continued to say, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Jesus did not say something, certain things, or a few things. He said, whatever. Wow. The king tells you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. How are we going to get to that condition? If you notice carefully, not every Christian is in that position. Again, this scripture, John chapter 15, is not talking about salvation. It's not talking about forgiveness of sin and you don't go to hell. You go to heaven. No, we are talking about living a life on earth here while we still alive and have authority and victory and triumph in this life as a friend of a king. A lot of people are waiting for the blessing in the sweet pie in the sky when they die. But I don't want to wait until I go to heaven to get the authority and have victory in heaven. I want to have victory now on earth. And how I can have victory on earth here? Talking about the curse, going against the enemy. I need to be a friend of the king. And what is the key to be a friend of the king? John chapter 15, verse 14. This is a big difference between groups of Christians. You are my friends if you just do whatever you want. You are my friend if you just stay home on Sunday and play game. You are my friend if I tell you whatever to do and you say no all the time. You are my friend if you don't know the Bible and you never practice the Bible. No. He said, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Why two Christians are different? Why one has more authority and God's support? And when he say in Jesus' name, demons have to go out. Yesterday I give counseling to the leader in Germany. And she said that she do what we call spiritual therapy. I just share with you the conversation. I say, oh, can you tell me what spiritual therapy means? She said that she will bring the member in and spend about six to seven hours with that member. And then the first thing is to call the head of the demon in that person. Call the head of the demon and talk to the head of the demon in that person and ask the question, who are you? What are you doing? I say, oh, really? Okay, it's interesting because demon will lie anyway. <laughs> Satan is the head of lie. He is the father of lies. So he's going to lie anyway. And she say, after that, he will cast them out and then call the Holy Spirit, 
Wow, this is interesting. This teaching comes from America, she told me. Call the Holy Spirit and ask Holy Spirit what to do. And then call the spirit of that person. All together, take about six, seven hours. I say, that's why your husband never have time with you. And that's why you never have time to cook dinner for your children. I say, I never see Jesus did that. I never see Paul did that. You have authority. You just say, demon, go in Jesus' name. Get out of here. Done. You don't need to talk. You don't need to have a conversation with demon. You spend six hours. I don't see Jesus spend six hours to cast out demons. Period. So I told her that that is not biblical. I want to f- stick with the Bible. What the Bible say. She said, okay, I will change. I'm not going to do that anymore. You spend more time with your kids. You spend more time with your husband. Instead of spend time with people six hours a day, if you have 500 members, you will never have time to sleep and never have time to show love to your family. We have authority. If we obey the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. On Friday when I was driving to the hospital, the Lord spoke to me, asked me the question, very good question. He said this, Son, every time you're going to do anything or say anything or respond to anything, the way you respond, the way you say, the way you think, the way you do, you ask yourself this question. Is this done in carnality? Or this is done by the Spirit of God. Wow. What a revelation. So if everything is done by the Spirit, according to the Word of God, it means you obey Jesus. But everything that is done out of carnality, out of the flesh, you don't obey Jesus. How many people want, now going to see how many hands raised. How many people want to be a friend of Jesus? Raise your hand up. Okay, good. Still a lot. Again, one more time. How many people want to be a friend of Jesus? Raise your hand up. Okay. What do you need to do? Obey his command. The command is in the Bible. And the command come by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit told me to produce CD and give it for free of charge, I did it. I obeyed the command of the Holy Spirit. When the Bible say, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, I build a church. I'm here every Sunday. I go to Germany to build a church. I go to Japan to build a church. We build a church. Amen? When the Bible says, give tithe 10% to God, I give 10% to God. I obey. We obey everything that God says. And then we have the right to be the friend of Jesus. And then we have the right to exercise authority and to call from heaven. And when we say demon, you have to go out. When we say curse, you have to be broken. Then they have to obey you. But if you don't obey Jesus, you do whatever you want, and you command the devil, he will say to you, ha ha, la 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 la. You don't even obey Jesus, and why am I going to obey you? You are not Jesus' friend. You are just a believer. Going to heaven and not go to hell. You are not Jesus' friend. So, the key of victory is living a life of obedience and become a friend of Jesus. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, the Bible says, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is the battle in your own self every single day. The battle between your flesh and the spirit of the living God who live inside your spirit. You need to exercise. I'm going to teach one day how to develop your spirit to be strong. 
I'm writing the sermon right now. How to develop your spirit. And when you develop your spirit to be strong with the Holy Spirit, then you can control your flesh. And then you can obey Jesus, the command of Jesus, and you can become his friend. I mentioned in the care group on Friday night, when we talk about revival meeting, lay hand, and people fall under the power, and people shake and laugh. A lot of people who are mental, very intellectual, they look at those things, they say, oh, this is crazy. People laugh, people fall down, people shake, people cry, demons come out from people. But you know, spiritually, I want to tell you, I look in a different way, even though I'm an intellectual man. I look in this way. If you learn how to yield to the Holy Spirit in the meeting, you learn how to die to your flesh, you're not going to hold your dignity anymore. And you learn how to yield and lose your dignity in the flesh. Because the flesh will say, I'm a great guy. I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to cry because I'm a man. I'm a great guy. I know a theology. I have Bible school scholarship. I know I'm a theologian. That is the flesh. Pride. But when you come to God like a child, you're willing to yield. You learn how to yield your flesh to the Holy Spirit in the meeting. When you get outside of the church building and you want to control your flesh by the Spirit of God and command the devil to obey you, then it will work. Because you learn how to yield your flesh to the Spirit of God in the church meeting. Actually, it's exercise. How to exercise your spiritual life to be stronger by yielding your flesh to the Spirit of God. So if you look at that way, you see, wow, this is good. You exercise your spirit to be stronger. Amen? Our God is a good God. And when He becomes our friend, He is not a heavy, rude, cruel taskmaster. He is a good God. He is the giver. He is not a taker. He is not a hurter. He is a healer. He's not going to break us and destroy us. He's going to help us to overcome. And He wants us to move out of curse to the blessing. Today I want to mention about one thing about how to break one curse and then we'll continue next Sunday because of the time. Okay, so far we learned that we need to know who we are. We are a son and a daughter of God. We are an heir of Christ. We have the right to use the name of God. We are the believer who can carry the presence of God everywhere, the anointing of God. And we have the right to use the name of Jesus. And if we obey the command of Jesus, we will be called his friend and we will have the authority and power and anointing to command the enemy the curse, the poverty, everything that is our enemy, the sickness, and the, all the wrong things of hell to go away in the name of Jesus. So the first thing, everyone say, I am a son of God. The presence of the Holy Spirit is with me. I am a friend of God. I have the right to walk in the power and the authority of God. In the name of Jesus. We can do that because Jesus did his part for us. Not because we deserve it. What happened? Why we have that right to be the son of God. To use the name of Jesus. And to be called his friend. Because Jesus did something for us. 2000 years ago. 
Isaiah 53 verses 4 to 5. Surely he was born our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. This scripture talk about shedding the blood. Jesus shed his blood on the cross to buy, to redeem, to bring us to the place of being his son, the son of God, and have the right to use his authority and his name. By the stripe of Jesus Christ, we are healed. Because he was wounded, that's why we have the right to have the authority. The devil doesn't like this teaching. I want you to listen carefully. Because he knows that there is a power in the blood of Jesus. You have the right to be the son of God. You have the right to have the presence of God. You have the right to be his friend. You have the right to carry the anointing. Because Jesus shed his blood and redeemed us from the curses and the sickness and the failure of your life. Revelation 12 verse 11 say, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life to the death. Again, I want to emphasize one more time. There's no power in rituals. I don't like rituals. There's no power in traditions in the church. There's no power in church programs. The power is in the blood of Jesus. The power is in the name of Jesus. The power is in the presence of the Holy Spirit or the anointing. The power is in there when you walk by faith and exercise faith. You ignite the power of the blood, the power of the name, and the power of the Holy Spirit by your faith. Amen? That's why this teaching is important because we're going to get you to have faith that there's power in the blood. The first thing the blood did was by the stripe of Jesus Christ, we were healed. The blood of Jesus Christ gave us the authority to overcome the curse of sickness. Everyone say, the blood of Jesus. When Jesus was hung on the whipping post, the Roman soldier whipped him 39 times. Every time they whipped him, the blood came out. And the blood keep coming out. You can see in your imagination how the stripe in the back have blood pouring out all the time. And that blood redeemed you from the curse of sickness. And we need to claim it, we need to believe it, and we need to speak to the curse of sickness in our life that by the stripe of Jesus Christ, I am healed. When we talk about redeem, a lot of time we just think about forgiveness. Thank God for his forgiveness, but it's not just forgiveness. I want to give you this picture. When a little child is kidnapped by an evil man, that evil man actually steals that child out of the love, the protection, the provision, and the security in the hands of the parents. So the dad would bring money to give to that evil man to exchange the child back, to buy back, to ransom, to redeem the child back to the original condition of love, provision, protection, and security. 
So that's what Jesus did. Jesus Himself shed the blood to redeem. That blood is a ransom to pay for you. You were born in sin, and you were we we all not you, I too, me. We were all born in sin, and we were children of Satan before we were born again. And Satan has the right to torture us, to do wrong thing to us, to put the curse on us. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus shed His blood to buy us back, to redeem, to ransom us back into the original condition. Where is the original condition? The question is: How far can I go in expecting the blessing of God by the blood of Jesus? You look at the Genesis chapter one and two. That is the original condition. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness, there was no poverty, there was no fight, there was no discrimination, there was no war, there was no lies and sexual immorality, there was no breaking relationship. It was perfect. There was no death. They have plenty to eat. No doctors, no chiropractor, no surgery, no operating room, no medication. In the book Genesis chapter one and two. That was the original condition that Jesus shed the blood to redeem us from being tortured by the devil into the original condition, and we can get that by faith. That the blood of Jesus Christ, by His stripe, we are healed. Amen. And the devil knows how to attack us. Actually, we have the right to live a healthy life, but the devil tried to claim his ownership upon us all the time because we were born in sin. We were born as his children, so he tried to attack us. And if we are ignorant, we don't know the Bible. We can allow him to attack us right and left. That's why the church need to teach the Bible, so that you know you're right. You know what Jesus did for you, and once you know, you can stand up and say, "Hey, hey, 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 Satan!" I am a blood-bought property of God. Everyone say, "Blood-bought property of God." You are trespassing the blood-bought property of God right now. Jesus already paid for me. I belong to Him, and I cover by the blood. And you try to come in, but I know the Bible. I know what the Word of God say. You cannot anymore get out of here right now in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone, point to yourself. I am. A blood-bought property of Jesus. He shed His blood for me to redeem me. Amen. So we can expect to live in the Garden of Eden. Amen. One time, Smith Wigglesworth was ministering in Africa with the Red Cross workers, and a big a disease spread all over Africa at that time, and many people died. So he was told by the team that you should go home as soon as possible because you're gonna die too. And Smith Wigglesworth say, "No, no, no, no. I am a blood-bought property of Jesus. The sickness cannot touch me." And he did not get sick. He did not die, and he did well because he knew who he is. He knew that Jesus already paid a price for him. Amen. Can we live that kind of life of faith that sickness cannot touch us? When it come, we say, "Ah, oh, get out of here." You cannot step across or trespass the blood-bought properties of God. Amen. Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgression; he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, by his blood, we are healed. I want to encourage you to listen to this sermon again and again, 
until it gets into your spirit. Next Sunday, we're going to continue five more things. Jesus shed his blood six places, six ways to redeem us from the curses of sin. Today, we talk about the stripe. Jesus shed his blood when he was whipped at the whipping post. Next Sunday, we're going to learn five more ways that Jesus set us free. Don't miss the church next Sunday. So you will learn five more things. Today, we learn one. All together, six ways that God set us free from the curse. Amen. How many people are going to listen to the second part next Sunday? So in conclusion today, we are a son and a daughter of God. Two, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of God. You ignite that presence by faith. When I walk into this building, I pray right away by faith. May the rivers of God flow out of my body, out of my inner being into this place right now by faith. May the anointing of God touch people. I pray by faith because I believe I carry the rivers of God. When I show up in Germany, in that room, the meeting room, the rivers of God flow out of me. People get touched. People got healed. The kids got saved because of the rivers of God. And I'm going to live a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. It's not my will, but His will be done. Then I can be a friend of God. And the army of the angels and all the authority on earth that Jesus had will be with me. When I say something, God will support me. Whatever I bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever I lose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Whatever I pray to the Father in Jesus' name, it will be done for me because I am His friend. Amen? And not only that, we know we get all this right because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because we are great people, not because we are Americans or Thai or Chinese or because we... Uh, have the position in the church as pastor and worship leader? No, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood came out through his stripes in the back. Next Sunday, five more things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for teaching your church how to overcome and reverse the curse, to get out from the war zone with the enemy into the promised land, the good land with a flow of milk and honey. We thank you, Father, that you teach your children in this house. And may they exercise their faith, their understanding. And they will not be ignorant anymore. The enemy cannot take advantage of them anymore. They will realize that they are blood-bought properties of God. And I pray, Father, in this house, there's no sickness stay around. I command in the name of Jesus, whatever kind of sickness we believe by the blood of Jesus Christ, The sickness have to go. And new sickness cannot come. The curse of sickness cannot be in this house. Whether it's heart disease, blood disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, back problem, arthritis, rheumatological disease, neurological disease, diabetes. No disease shall enter the house of God here. We plead the blood of Jesus on every member today and the member to come in the future. And we believe by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are protected and we are redeemed to the original plan of Genesis chapter 1 and 2 into the protection, the provision, and the love of God. We thank you, Lord, and we ask for the Holy Spirit to help us to obey the command of Jesus. You are our helper. 
so that we can become the friends of God. We thank you, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we close the service, I'd like to ask this question. Is any one of you here don't know Jesus yet? Or you're not sure that you are born again? You're not sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I'd like to encourage you. Today, you want to give your life to Jesus? And not only to give your life to Jesus, but to become his friend. How many people want to do that? You want to become a child of God, a son of God, a daughter of God, and become his friend. Raise your hand up if you want to do that. Hallelujah. Why don't you pray with me? Follow my prayer, okay? The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. You need to speak it out from your mouth to confess it. Father in heaven, thank you so much. For redeeming me by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood, for dying for me. I believe you are my Savior and my Lord. You were raised from the dead on the third day. I receive you as my Lord. And from today on, I will study the Bible. I will listen to the Holy Spirit and obey the command of Christ that come through the Bible and come by the Holy Spirit every single day. It's not my will, Lord, but it's your will. I yield to you. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness and your redemption. I thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www. NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. To them all gathered in your name.